do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui coming to you happy end of August, beginning of September, the third quarter of 2020 is almost over. And you know, as I look toward the end of the year, I feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think there is a lot of interesting news and experiences out there. And, but you know, 2020 is coming to an end. And I know that, uh, well, we're almost three quarters of the way there. So today is that special podcast this one is going to be 25 to 30 minutes long we're going to take all of the, the the episodes that we recorded in august we're going to share a few minutes of each clip with you so you can decide if you want to go back and listen to it later i'm recording this one from on the road right now i'm on my multi you know state rv roadshow so the we are you know a couple weeks in to our two-month journey i am recording this from a an rv park out in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I tell you what, I've been seeing so much as we've been traveling around. So before, without further ado, let's get started with this version of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast, Best of August. First up, we have episode 922. This was with Rachel Scheid, who's one of the 30 under 30. This one action doubled for real estate commissions in a year. I think, I think you mentioned in there, you, you switched to your own business, but you still had all the referrals from the customers that you had worked with in the past. Yeah. So after three years of being on the team, I decided to go solo. I felt I, I learned so many invaluable things from being on the team. But when you're on a team, you don't always get to market the way you want to market. And I approached a time in my business where I thought I kind of want to run the own show, my own show and see what happens. And that year... I doubled my income. I doubled my business because I realized a lesson that I wish I had learned when I first started, but it's really that 80-20 rule, right? 80% of your business should come from your sphere. People who know you, like you, trust you. But for the three years I was on the team, I was so focused on cold leads. I didn't talk to my people for three years. I didn't talk to my friends about real estate, my family. I didn't try to get referrals from anyone who already knew me. So my first year off the team, I enacted that very quickly. And like I said, doubled my income and saw a lot of success just from prospecting the people I already knew. Can you think of anything else that either from your experience in recruiting or kind of these COVID pivots that you would tell agents if they're trying to get these new clients of, of ways, things that they can practice right now? Well, I really learned that real estate is a numbers game that is leveraged by the relationships you have. So if you can master prospecting on the numbers side of it and keep really good notes and leverage those relationships, you're going to see a return on your investment of time. So for example, one of my recruiting measures I have to meet is 25 calls a week, five calls a day, 25 calls a week and touches. And if I have to leave a voicemail, I follow up with a text that results in a minimum of three appointments set either that week or next week to meet those agents, right? And for you agents out there, that's to meet clients, to meet buyers and sellers. And there's been a few days where I get to Thursday and I have to make 25 calls in two hours because I'm so behind in my calls. But the point is, it took me two months, but the math 
works. I loved those numbers that you came up with too. 25 calls a week Mm -hmm. turns into three meetings. And then, so if you're doing three meetings a week, then every two weeks, essentially, you're going to turn that into a a client, you know, on, on each side of that. So you guys that are listening out there, the numbers, you know, the numbers work. One client, first time buyer is a minimum of five transactions. And if off of each transaction, they give you three referrals, that's 15 deals from just one person in your database. So I think it's so important when we talk about doing those 25 calls, it's to ensure that your relationship with that client reaps 15 deals during the life cycle of that client. Okay, if you liked that one, that was 922 with Rachel Scheid. Next up, we have episode 923. This is tips on converting real estate leads with Zillow expert, Suzanne Siney. You're an employee at Zillow and you were teaching agents how to use Zillow to convert a hot lead. When you first switched over and you started and, and you went from being a, you know, teaching people how to be agents to being an agent, how did you do your first year? You know, did you, did you get many, trans, did you, were you off to the races or did it take you a while to actually put it into practice? You know, funny enough, my very first year, I had an $8 million transaction, which was like a record breaking sale in the neighborhood. And the ironic thing is that that lead that I got, it came from Zillow. So, um, so I had a super successful first year. I hit the ground running. Um, I think that often agents will uh, overthink what they should be saying when when they get on the on a call with a lead and um, it's really simple all you have to do is kind of ask them when they want to see the property they're inquiring on a property and um, sometimes we talk ourselves out of even meeting with the client but really your overall mission when you take that that call with the client is just Hey, I saw you inquired on one, two, three main street. What time do you want to see it? You know? And, and that's really how that first conversation went. And that was in my first year of real estate. So I had a lot of transaction at transactions like that. And, um, obviously year two, even better. Um, but it was just following those same principles and keeping it really, really simple. So what would you consider a hot lead? You know, if, if somebody's trying to say like, you know, what's, what's the hottest lead that you see when you're going to say, Hey, this is a hot lead. And then what is, what is that conversion plan? How should someone convert that hot lead to a customer? To me, a warm lead is a lead that's coming from a, a buyer or seller online that's saying, Hey, you know, I'm raising their hand and saying that they want to buy or sell. So um, for me, uh, like I said, I think keeping it very simple on that very first phone call of, you know, asking when they want to see the property, I think that's huge. Now, you're not always going to get a hold of that person right away. So to the uh, extent of literally following up with someone to where I didn't even know if they were alive, I still continue to follow up with them. I'll send them photos of a property that they inquired on. I will, I, I will keep that communication going for at least the first week. But I'll humanize it. You know, I think that there are so many tools with technology these days where there's autoresponders and there's all these other things going out. Um, but I think that it's really important to, to have some personal touches as well. And then once you do get a hold of them, your overall mission is to get in front of them. I know that when I get in front of someone, I am converting that lead um, because I'm going to bring my value and I'm going to show my value. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. 
I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. All right, that was episode 923 with Suzanne. If you want to learn more about that one, go back and listen to it. Next up, we have episode 924. This was my interview with Rebecca Donatelli. She was one of the 30 under 30 up in Ohio, under quarantine and killing it. She talks a lot about growing through social media. Uh, here you go. You know, you got to hire somebody and then it didn't work out. What did you learn with that first hire? Was there anything afterward that you said, oh, I should have done this different? Or if somebody's about to make their first hire, any advice you give them? I think a lot of new agents, when they get in the business, you know, they might have some unrealistic expectations and, uh, you know, you have to know your first year it's, it's hard. There's like an 80% failure rate of first year agents in this business. And I, a lot of it is just cause they don't know realistically what the first year looks like. There's a lot of stress, you know, where that business is going to come from. And on my team, I, I do give out business. I do give out leads, but I expect you to also bring some to the table. And I think there was also a little bit of misunderstanding on that, that side of expectations too. So, you know, if you're a new team leader or someone maybe didn't have a good first hire and trying to figure out next, um, I would recommend really getting to know the person. I also just started implementing doing the disc test for mm -hmm. anyone to see if our personalities are a good match. Um, that's also a great way to kind of vet who, who might be a good fit for you. How do you grow social media and what sort of, you know, what sort of ways have you done that? I followed you on Instagram today to try to see some of the content that you have out there. What are some of the secrets you want to share with people? To be completely honest, I didn't start the Instagram account with any intention of having it, you know, remotely what it is today. It really was just started as a, as a hobby. You know, I love real estate. I also love photography. So I, I started it at the end of my first year in the business just to share my love of real estate. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of just started growing from there. Um, you know, I started following pretty much everybody that I knew, all the local businesses here in Cleveland, my clients, the clients that I'd had thus far you know, and really just started sharing content regularly. And, and when I say regularly, I mean, daily, just letting people into my life, letting them allow, you know, 
them to know who I am as a realtor and as just a person. Um, and so once I started realizing that that was actually allowing my name to grow, I, I started doing that more purposely. It's, it's really just getting on there, being consistent with it, and really sharing content that is going to draw people in. The one fail I see a lot of realtors do is that they think that they need to just share everything real estate and just house. I just sold this house. I just got it under contract. Then I went to this inspection. Then I listed this house. And you never know anything about them personally. And, and I think that they really miss the boat because when you're behind a screen, you know, if I see you, I know you're a realtor. I expect you to be selling houses, but I don't know anything about you personally to where I would be inclined to reach out to you and trust you to be my, you know, real estate resource. And so I think that's where a lot of people miss the boat. And so I try to share more personal stuff. You know, anyone that knows me knows I love coffee. I just live for coffee. I always yeah. have it with me. So I, you know, I share a lot of that because people, you know, can relate to it and they know me as the, you know, the Cleveland realtor, if you will, who loves her coffee. Um, so those are just some of the the tidbits that I've kind of played with and realized since I've had the account um, that have really helped my business. All right. If you guys liked that one, that was episode 924 with Rebecca Donatelli. Next up, episode 925. So this was my interview with Jonathan Spears, top-ranked real estate agent in his 20s. Young guy, super, super successful, great, great attitude, so much good stuff in here. Here's a few minutes. Real estate was a very natural progression for me. It was uh, really something that I saw as an opportunity to problem solve for others. And so I remember spending my 18th birthday, which was in January of 2010, studying for the exam and uh, got my license shortly thereafter and immediately went to work. But when you first had to go from, hey, listings aren't going to come to me, I have to go find them. And wait, I've got to become a dialer. What, what did you learn during that experience that you know, new agents should hear now? I love that term, a dialer. Um, yeah. But it's absolutely what we do. I mean, we, we, uh, we dial every day and really dial with purpose. And with the intention is to create value for the person that's answering the phone on the other line. For me, I was transitioning more from representing buyers and spending all day in my car, you know, shuffling people from listing to listing to being in a position where my best value play was representing a seller with the tools in my tool belt that I didn't have previously. And that was really a skill set that had to be developed and cultivated because when you're a buyer's agent, you are very reactive. You know, buyer says jump, you say how high. Buyer says, hey, need you to meet me at this property at, you know, X time. You say, sure, let me clear my schedule. I had to learn how do I control my business and how do I control my time? And that time management aspect is where that dialing for dollars comes in. You know, you block prospecting windows every day to make sure that you're talking to the people you need to talk to. So what is your, what is your best method today? What do you think? And, and if somebody was saying, hey, I want to get into, I want to get into luxury real estate and every market's different, but if they were going to focus on just one, what would you tell them? What I would say, if you were trying to cultivate listings in just one sector of the market, I would try to pick up a farming area that you know intimately and that you are borderline obsessed with. You know, that's kind of where I started um, farming areas where, where areas of the market that I was most passionate about and making sure that not only did I understand who lived there, but I also understand who was transacting there. When I go into listing appointments today, I think one of the strongest messages that I have for 
uh, prospective seller is not only can I show you stats in your market, but let me tell you the story of why these homes transacted. You know, if you've got somebody with a unique property and you're trying to bring the most value to them and, you know, in their mind, of course, their home should be priced ahead of market because it's their home. But being able to come to them and say, look, we sold your neighbor's house for X, Y, and Z because they had, you know, a pool built by a notable architect in Nashville or you know, some unique feature that, um, they may not have them being able to get that story allows them to digest the market at a higher level. So looking for those small, minute ways to bring value, there's value in the stories as to why people transact. What are some things that when you first got started in real estate that some that you wish someone would have told you, or that you've known that was an aha moment later that you're like, wow, if I'd have known this last year, my life would be way different. Have you had any of those? Um, if I was looking back towards uh, the beginning of my career, I'd say get very comfortable being rejected and be very comfortable with people saying no. You know, just like when somebody calls off my mailer, hey, please take me off of my off of your mailing list. I'm never selling my house. Click. You know, no problem. I'm so glad to hear from you. You know, always respond positively and, you know, take that take that uh, negative remark as as just a checkbox, you know, next and be systematic. That's the other thing. If I would have started my career with less of this frenzy and trying to, trying to, you know, fit into chaos instead of controlling it and controlling that, that schedule and really the narrative of my career, I feel like I would have been, you know, further along faster. So being systematic about your approach, whether it's prospecting, you know, every day, have a ideal daily schedule where you can, um, filter through what is a necessity first. I always tell my team it's called eating the frog. And the first thing they do when they wake up, they need to knock out the hardest tasks of the day. That way they can focus on being most productive as their day goes on. But um, proactivity and being systematic, you know, it's, it's very simple. If you liked that one, the reminder that was episode 925 with Jonathan Spears. You can go back and listen to it some more. Next up, we have State of the Market 54. I did this one by myself. One of the titles to it was the highest FDA, FHA delinquency rate in four decades. Here's a few minutes of that. So this one just came out yesterday. And so it came out on Politico and it says HUD to extend foreclosure ban protecting 8.1 million people until 2021. Now I have to tell you, I read the article that they said that's a big of a head. That's a huge headline, right? That they are going to extend the foreclosure moratorium. So, so I think most of you guys know and have heard as real estate experts, the last few months they've said, hey, no foreclosures. So any government-backed Fannie Mae, FHA loan, there's been a foreclosure moratorium. They have not been able to evict or foreclose on those. And so that is set to expire on the last day of August this month. So that's set to expire in 11 days. And, the, and what we've seen, there still have been foreclosures, but they've all been you know, business, you know, hard money type loans, and everything else has been slowed down to almost nothing. But then they use a quote that I did hear. It said the Trump administration is looking at using local authorities to extend relief through the calendar year. But it also, that doesn't really say what that relief is. It includes funds as well as moratoriums on foreclosures and evictions. So I'm not sure if it really is going to extend the ban on all FHA or not. But that is what Politico is setting two days ago. This was Prashant Gopal at Bloomberg.com. And that highlight says FHA mortgage delinquencies reach a record. So reach a record. It says the share of late FHA loans rose to almost 16% in the second quarter, up from 9.7% in the first quarter, and the highest level ever recorded. And they started these records back in 1979. 
So what does that really tell you? FHA mortgage delinquencies reach a record level led by New Jersey. So if you have 16% of FHA loans are in default and it's the highest ever, that means there are more people that aren't paying their FHA loans than stopped paying in 2007, 2008, 2009, absolute housing crash, foreclosures everywhere. There are more people today that haven't paid their mortgage. So that is something to keep an eye on. We've mostly had great, great real estate news the last six months, but now we're starting to see a few little adjustments that I want you guys to pay attention to Again, especially if you're in a market where there's a lot of FHA priced homes or if you have FHA priced clients. If, you're, if you focus on new home buyers, then you need to be paying attention to this. I also believe that if they shut down FHA foreclosures, it is going to be tougher for lenders to lend on FHA loans. And so I also see more stringent things coming in, you know, requiring you know, overlays with higher uh, credit scores and things like that. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break, but this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need, and this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not, or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all in joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network, go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a form. It's just an interest list for us to see, is this something we want to be doing? So that's, that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I mean, a lot of you guys are in the, you know, the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures, on how to find deals, on how to, you know, do title, you know, go to auction. Also turn that into clients for your real estate agents, how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go, you know, check out that course, especially for, you know, you can, you can buy the course now, but again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content, great, great content that I just recorded on there. Uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called PadHawk. And in PadHawk, you can use that to go find leads. What, uh, you know, so everyone is really, really busy right now. And we're so, so busy. People are selling and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they're, they're, they can't find houses. Well, PadHawk will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might want to get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So let's go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 99 bucks a month, but nationwide, any city out there, and it is a great way to find houses. So right now, people are saying there's lots of buyers, but we can't find enough houses. Well, maybe you can use this software. You'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house. All right, back to your regularly scheduled program. Thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break. A common question I got when I posted this online was, well, what about the people in forbearance? So yes, this does include the people in forbearance, 
But there was also forbearance in 2009 and 2010. There were lots of different workouts going on back then that allowed people to not pay their loan and work it out for a modification. So we were still the highest level ever. The other thing about forbearance is so you have to remember that that means there's a lot of people that are just not paying their mortgage. Now they may get a workout and in a month, the the banks may say, okay, we're going to work it out now. And you don't have to pay the last six months. You don't have to pay us the $10,000 you owe us. We're going to tack it onto the back of the loan. That would be really, really nice. But the, the other thing that people have to remember is if somebody starts getting used to not paying their housing bill, it's really hard to start paying that bill again. It's still their biggest bill. So people live every month and spend every month as if they, you know, without the housing bill, it's like they have extra money, right? So the, when all of a sudden they start living on, I mean, you guys all know that it's so hard to live below our means. Everyone, so many people live to whatever they make. They spend whatever they make. And so if they're not paying a mortgage, they spend whatever they make. If all of a sudden they have to start paying that mortgage again, that's a tougher adjustment. If you have FHA buyers right now or FHA sellers, try to tell them to be careful with their finances. The especially sellers, if they're in these forbearance periods, tell them to hang on to their money and spend as if they are paying their mortgage, even if they're, they're trying not to. So that is a big one on there. All right. If you like that one, go back and listen again to State of the Market 54. Next up, we have episode 926. And th- this was a great episode. I got to interview a husband and wife. We had Adedoyan and Amanda Adadapo. The 30 under 30 teens, so much good stuff in this one. Here's a few minutes of that. Here I am, I have this MBA, and two weeks applying to the job, still hadn't gotten any response. Um, so I finally sat her down. I said, hey, this is, you know, we have X amount in the account. This is how much we can go. And I think we may have to go get jobs again. And you, meanwhile, I just left my job eight months ago, right? They and told me to leave mine. And I told her to leave hers confidently, and maybe yeah. overconfidently. Yeah. So, and you know, we, we told all these people who are leaving their jobs, going full-time in real estate, and here we are, we broke. Um, so this was August. So uh, we full-time found ourselves, I think we had like maybe 30-minute, 40-minute conversation. And then I was like, all right, I've heard every story from Keller Williams. Yeah. I've listened to all the podcasts, including yours, <laughs> Mr. Pat, if you're out there listening. <laughs> and I have heard all the stories of people losing everything. I'm talking about Hurricane Katrina levels and coming back and being on uh, Gary Keller stage. Like I've been in like trainings for people and I've seen those stories. I'm like, what's so different between them and us besides good old fashioned work ethic and faith? So let's pick up our big boy and big girl pants and let's go to work, period. That was the conversation. It was like, we decided that we were going to do this. We decided. So and I'm, we're going to do it on a high level. And we're going to do it on a high level. We are not going to be average because I don't do anything average. So like, let's, let's do this. So we picked up the phone that following day and we hit those calls like a telemarketer. What are some of the lessons you guys have learned through quarantine and COVID and all the craziness? So for me, I would say is uh, just being consistent. Um, um, in everything, right? Whether it's in uh, professional or in your business life. So, you know, if we're going back to the interview, how we talked about taking massive action, you just don't take massive action for one day. Um, it's being able to do it consistently every day because eventually this is what, that's what's going to yield the results, not just the one time. So for me, again, it's, again, you know, working out steadily, doing my lead generation, doing my lead follow-up, still understanding that, you know, we have to get through, right? You know, we know when the end is coming, um, but for a lot of people, it's just a process, you know, because they, they don't know when it's going to be over. It's sometimes difficult, but if you just keep pushing through every day and keep going consistently the, the actions to get the results, uh, then eventually you get the results you're looking for. 
Amanda, anything you would add for like advice that you would give to somebody if they're like working with their spouse or going to work with their spouse, something they should think about or something that, that the, uh, would help them? Love your partner. Love your partner. If they are, if it is your spouse, if it is actually your spouse, like take time to cheer them on. I notice that a lot in, in like marital, like relationship things. Like they, they see everything as an expectation and not a gift. Like when he does the numbers for me or when he reminds me of my appointments because I'm horrible with calendar management. I take the time to say thank you because it is not an expectation for him to do that. He's doing that because he understands that Amanda sucks at this, but also he's doing it for the business. So it is my duty to remind this man every single time he helps me that he is great, that he's a great husband, that he's a great business partner. So partners, even if it's not your spouse, take the time to vocalize to the people that make your business grow, that they are awesome. Like you use your words to do it. You take the time out, even if it's an email or text, take the time to say thank you because nothing is an expectation. Everything is a gift. All right. Remember, if you liked that one, that was episode 926 with Adedoyan and Amanda Adedapo. Adedoyan, we called him AD during that interview. Next, State of the Market 55. This was a recording that I did by myself. How long will home values surge? Here's a few minutes of it. An article in Inman, a technology article, says Easy Knock CEO predicts lasting pandemic-induced slump to hit this fall. So many U.S. regions are experiencing a surging real estate market, but Jared Kessler believes it will be short-lived and the market could start to slow as early as October. So, the, so let's dig into this article a little bit. So he said, the founder and CEO of home leaseback company Easy Knock thinks the current boom times in the housing market are just temporary and the coronavirus pandemic may ultimately spell years of trouble for real estate. That's something that a lot of people have been concerned about since it started, but the market has been performing so strong, it's hard to see that. So, but Kessler made the comments while speaking with Inman to discuss the near future of real estate as well as their fundraising success. Easy Knock announced this month that it raised an additional $5 million as part of a Series B funding round that came from you know, financial tech. So there's a lot of different real estate tech companies you know, I can't believe that Easy Knock has raised over $215 million in debt equity financing with all of these different people going out there. But one of the things that they're seeing right now is there's a high demand of trying to get people to sell uh, their house direct before actually going to an agent. Uh, but that CEO, they have a lot of fun- funding. They're doing a lot of research and they're actually predicting that the market could start to slow in just the next couple months. The, you know, and why would I give you an, an opinion piece on just somebody that owns a technology company? I think really because they've raised a lot of money and they have some of their own research teams. We used to tell people to invest in homes where Home Depot went. So back in the early 2000s, once Home Depot went into a town, they had a belief that that town was, that town was about to hit a big building boom. So sometimes you can follow the trends of other companies as you make yours. You don't have to spend a whole bunch of money on research. You can chase companies that are spending that money on research. All right, here's an article from Inman. It said, this is the only city where home prices declined in the second quarter. So that's kind of interesting, right? So home prices have been going up anywhere. Would any of you guess where it is? So we talked a little bit about this last week. Home prices in the U.S. spiked 5.4% year over year in the second quarter. They increased in every single U.S. city except San Francisco. That's a baffling thing to me. So prices increased in every single U.S. city except San Francisco. We talked about that last week, the exodus from the city for a variety of reasons. You know, it's from you know, tech being able to work from home now, from people realizing that living in a city isn't fun during pandemic times, and, you know, and a lot of different policies that were happening inside the city. So I don't have to get into the opinions of why that's happening, 
that there is an absolute fact right there. Agents, right now, the it is tougher to be an agent though. So many of our agents, many of the people who get on the podcast are absolutely crushing it. But I want you guys to know, I also know that when demand goes down, when inventory goes down, prices go up, that means less houses are selling. And most of our listeners out there aren't doing 100 transactions a year or 50. You guys are trying to do five or 10 or 20. And I know in this tightening market, sometimes it can get a little overwhelming because when there's less inventory, it's much harder to get that deal and you need that one or two deals. So what I would say is right now as summer is ending, right? We're going into these areas where some people are saying, hey, the market is about to be a lot more difficult. The best thing about the market when it gets difficult though is your old fashioned hard work and going out there and working hard for your clients. That's when it pays off the most. During really strong markets, everybody looks brilliant. Everybody looks great. And it seems like it doesn't matter if you're putting in the extra effort or not that the, that someone else is getting your listing instead. You know, people weren't interviewing multiple people. They were just hiring the first person they talked to. So get on your game and go out there and try to get more deals. If you need help trying to find ways to get deals, we have a huge uh, resource page that we put on the hybendigital.com website. All right, if you liked that one, that was State of the Market 55. Go back and listen to the rest. Next up, we have episode 927. This is with Francis Mangabot. He talked a lot about you know building in intentional friendships and relationships with people that then turned into a huge real estate business. The top, top agents that were in my brokerage, I was, uh, you know, taking them out to like lunch, dinner. And it wasn't like, you know, hey, let's go to like McDonald's for lunch or dinner. I'd take them to like the nicest places like Barclay Prime where they have a $120 cheesesteak just so, you know, they would remember me. And for me, I want to add value to their life and what they're doing just because anyone who makes a million dollars a year their time's worth $500 an hour. So if I'm taking them out to a two hour lunch, it's technically a thousand bucks that I'm netting in my pocket. And what, what's dinner going to cost for that? It's like two, $300. So I, I'm actually benefiting more from learning from them and having them take two hours of um, their day to kind of help me and do me a favor. One of the things that I've been fortunate to be able to do is I am, I guess now I'm in like the, I don't know how to call it, like the high income, like Philadelphia friend group to where I have friends all the time who want to go buy houses, like 500,000 to a million dollars. And it's, it's great to be in the network or in the friend group. Yeah. But that was a friend group. I mean, you were intentional about building that group, right? You absolutely, you wanted to go because a lot of people will say "Uh, housing prices aren't that here or, Hey, I don't have a bunch of uh, friends that can buy 500,000 to a million dollar houses, but you didn't either when you started getting into real estate. Absolutely. And what I would say, Aaron, to that is that my intention when I was going out and grabbing lunch and stuff, it's not to like, hey, let me do this so I can go and get business in return. I always had money, like even when I first started. So my mindset when going out is like, how do I add value to their life? Or how do I, how can I introduce someone to someone else where they're going to benefit? And I'd say that has really like helped me out. It's kind of like when you when you go and pick up the phone, is the person, you know, is the other person going to pick the phone up right away, or are they going to like reply with some automated text message and they'll call you like later down the road? So I always, you know, like to add so much value that when I'm calling, they're going to pick up right away, or they're going to text me, "Hey, I can chat in like 30 minutes." All right, and if you liked that one, you can go back and listen to episode 927 again, and that is the end of our August highlights episode for the Real Estate Rockstars 
podcast. We had so many great interviews in August. We have a lot scheduled for you also in September. If there was one of those that you loved, go back and listen to the whole thing. Be sure to share it on social media, tell your friends about it, and reach out to a lot of the people we interviewed. They want to hear that you heard them on the podcast. Reach out to them for advice. They love getting to hear things about that. And as always, thank you for being a Real Estate Rockstars listener, and we'll be back to you in just a couple days. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.